Hi, Sandy Rios here from Sandy Rios 24-7. Well, what do Bill Gates, oh, and the World Economic Forum, and Klaus Schwab, and the Chinese, what do they have in common? Anybody know? Anybody know? Well, they love America's farmland. They love America's technology. They uh, they love uh, trying to alter and destroy our food sources. They all share that in common. One thing they, at least maybe not the Chinese, but the others have in common is they see that they can make big money, big money by embracing uh, methods and farming and restrictions and pipelines that will restrict a CO2, because you see CO2 is, of course, uh, killing the planet. It's warming it, and we're all going to die, right? Uh, but the problem is, uh, with these entities, they stand to make, are you ready? $19 quadrillion out of their efforts. But trust me, they're only thinking of you. They are only thinking of you. So um, while you're, you know, uh, obeying these carbon-neutral rules and uh, following like sheep, what they're laying down for you, just remember that they are making tons of money. We're going to talk about that today. It's pretty disturbing, but you're going to want to hear it and share it with your friends. And speaking of money, Planned Parenthood, which is the largest abortion provider in the country, continues to rake in billions, despite the fact that they have a dwindling set of clients because of all the abortion rulings in various states. Planned Parenthood generates that profit not only through clients but also through millions in taxpayer funding. But preborn, with our help, are stealing their clients. That means the moms and the babies. Preborn operates on a very slim budget as they rescue over 200 babies' lives every day. They don't receive any government funding. Preborn's network of clinics are situated in the very darkest corners of this country. And they compete head-to-head with the abortion giants. And that's why they need our help right now. When you donate $28 to Preborn, you will offer a free ultrasound to an expectant mom caught in crisis. Once she hears that heartbeat and sees that little life, her baby's chance of life absolutely doubles. If you would consider giving a gift, you can do that by going to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy. Sandy. But for now, sit back, take a pencil and paper. You have some homework today for this version of Sandy Rios 24-7. From American Family Radio, Sandy Rios. We are not called to be nice. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. I think the most important thing we need to demonstrate to our children is genuineness that we actually believe what we say we believe. A longtime Fox News contributor, Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. Seek justice, not social justice, but God's justice, what's right and what's wrong. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association, a pro-life radio talk show host. We've got to say this is the line. Life is sacred. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. A proposed pipeline to transport CO2 would run through parts of Catalan. Kelly Volk breaks down how it would work and what it means for producers. Summit Carbon Solutions' planned pipeline would capture carbon dioxide emissions from facilities such as ethanol plants, compress it, and transport it by pipeline to North Dakota. 
where it would be permanently stored underground. By doing that, that lowers the carbon intensity of ethanol by reducing the emissions from the plant. It enhances the value of the products they make when they go into low carbon fuel markets. Siouxland Energy Cooperative is one of 31 partner facilities already signed on to the project. We can get our carbon score down significantly right now. Siouxland's at about a 63.4, and we think that Summit can get us down about another 25 points. Operations Director Jeff Altna says the cooperative is taking other steps to reduce emissions with the ultimate goal of becoming a zero carbon intensity producer. Reducing carbon intensity will help ethanol plants access markets with low carbon fuel standards. Kelly Newenhouse is a Siouxland board member and a longtime Iowa farmer. My main thoughts about this kind of project, it's it's going to be for the next generation of farmers to have a market through ethanol and biofuels. In Sioux Center, Kelly Volk, Kelloland News. All right, Sandy Rios with you. Now, don't let your eyes glaze over and tune off because I want to explain something for a second. I think the issue that we're going to talk about here, uh, the bottom line is, is greening the earth, so-called saving the planet, more important than feeding people? Just asking the question, because we have globalists attacking our food sources all over the world, and certainly now in the United States. And you need to know about that. Now, listen, this may get a little complicated with carbon fuels and all of that, but trust me, every single one of you will be affected when your food source is not there. I think of this all the time myself. I keep telling Bruce we need to, we need to plant a garden. We've got to have food. We can't. Something's happening with our food source. Uh, and so I, I just want to remind you that we've had the globalists actually have pretty much almost took down the, the country of Sri Lanka by not letting them use fertilizer on their crops. And there were riots. It was amazing. Holland is under tremendous duress by the globalists. And the farmers there are rebelling because, uh, and I'll, I'll let our next guest uh, kind of explain that. Uh, Bill Gates is buying up farmland, and he wants to not for you to stop eating beef. And so he's created a fake beef. He said it doesn't taste good, but you'll get used to it. The Chinese have bought up 200,000 acres of our farmland in this country. Why is that? What are they doing? Um, and then, of course, in I believe it's in Ireland that the globalists are get, trying to get, and I guess they are getting farmers or ranchers to kill their cows. Because cows, you see, emit carbon dioxide, and that's, a, that's bad for the environment. It's madness that's descending, and it's having real-world consequences. I've asked Congressman Steve King to join me this morning. He represented uh, Iowa, two different districts of Iowa, from 2003 to 2021. He's a member of the Republican Party. He's always had the back of the farmers there in Iowa, Iowa's kind of the breadbasket of the world, not just uh, of the United States, but of the world. And so he knows a lot about this. Let me just say, because I want you to know, I've talked to Congressman, a congressman several times. He's a very good friend of mine, a man that I trust implicitly, um, whose intellect is um, just, uh, and judgment are both just ex excellent. He was uh, booted out of Congress not literally, but yeah, kind of uh, gone after by the left and also by the Republican rhinos uh, because of his firm and unflinching stand on truth. And he's written about that in a book called Walking 
through the fire. It is a great read, and it will tell you a lot more about what's going on in Congress uh, than you might know at face value. So with all of that, let me say hello to Congressman Steve King. Good morning, Congressman. Oh, good morning, Sandy, and what a terrific introduction. I hope I've lived up to it and will continue to do so. You will. I've got no, I have lots of faith in you. And I, uh, here's the thing, Congressman, this just with the globalists on everything and the left, whatever you want to, bucket you want to call them, they uh, don't seem to care about human life. You know, they they love abortion. They also, they also said, you know, that uh, cutting down pop- population control helps to save the earth. I mean, they've been saying these things for a number of years, right? Well, yes, and the, their idea of sustainable population of humanity on the planet's about 500 million rather than the 7-plus billion we have now on the way to about 9 billion. And we've increased our food production here per acre to the point where we can meet the population growth. The Lord said, go, for, go forth, be fruitful, and multiply. They're the exact opposite of that. It is a cabal of atheists. They don't care about humanity, a life, about individual rights, property rights, the, the very underpinnings of Western civilization and the pillars of American exceptionalism are all under assault by these globalists. And I don't think the I don't think the world, the average person, understands how pervasive this is. But you listed to some of them: Sri Lanka, the Netherlands, what they've done there to shut off their fertilizer access and get the farmers, the multi-generational farmers off the land and turn it into, um, I guess I'll say, public land or parks or nature areas. The cows, I believe it is in Ireland, where they want to kill off a, oh, tens of thousands of cows. Um, here, here in the U.S., the China purchase of our land. Um, in, in Iowa, we have a law that says there will be no foreign ownership of, for, of, of land, of farmland in Iowa. That was passed in 1980 and grandfathered those in ahead of that time. But we also have the advent now of LLCs, limited liability corporations, whose ownerships are secret. And so we look at that and think, how much Chinese involvement do we have in Iowa and other states that's not secret? They can buy, and they have been, hundreds of thousands of acres, along with Bill Gates. Um, and so I, I just they see all of this. And where does it orbit around? Davos and also Geneva, Switzerland. Oh, Chinese also here in this state uh, especially – the Chinese were caught digging up intellectual property, special special uh, developed seed corn worth, in the end, millions of dollars, digging that up to try to smuggle it back to China. They were caught and convicted. We didn't catch them all, but we caught some of them. And then Smithfield Foods, which still has a good American name, started in North Carolina. They developed the, um, the highest efficient form of pork production, and, and I saw it develop here in Iowa. They came in and bought out uh, farmland foods and kept their word, but they sold out to a Chinese company called Shineway. That's in English anyway. But even the people that work with and for that company and sell to them don't know that name of that Chinese company. It's China that has now taken the Smithfield technology for pork production back to China, and they're in control of the pork production here in the United States, at least that large behemoth, second largest producer of pork in the United States. That's just a quick snapshot picture of the Chinese reach into this and then the Chinese affiliation with the globalists. Can can you quantify in some understandable way uh, how America is the breadbasket of the world and maybe specifically Iowa? How can you quantify the amounts and the kind and the quality of food that comes out of Iowa that feeds the world? Well, I, I try a couple things. Uh, one is we're the number one pork-producing state in the Union. There are only 3 million people in Iowa, 
and we produce, um, I think it's 40 percent of the of the pork uh, that's produced in the United States. And a lot of that is exported, of course. There is a hog for there's seven hogs for every island to give you that perspective. <laughs> uh, we're, the number, we're the number one egg producing state in the union too, and I don't know how many how many hundreds of eggs there are for every island. There'd be thousands, but uh, that has that has um, grown into a big industry here in the state. A lot of that's exported. And then um, one of the things we did that was we we had to figure out how to do was we were the best at raising corn. Now, no offense to Illinois and Nebraska, they're pretty good too. <laughs> um, but we had, it wasn't worth much back in the 70s. So we put our heads together and decided how do we better market this corn that we have so much of from that grew. And I started out with that myself in about 1978. Um, and uh, we helped put together some of those ethanol plants, about half of them in Iowa. We had a, a bit of a voice in, and now there are 43 ethanol plants in Iowa, and they say that um, one uh, every, every other corn stalk in Iowa goes into an ethanol plant. I don't know if that's quite true. I haven't seen that whole number with confidence, 38% I would go with, but only a third of that bushel of corn goes into ethanol. That's the starch, which we're starch-rich in the world, and the balance of that, uh, the, other, the other third of that goes back to protein, uh, and protein goes into a feed additive, high-value feed additive, and so we're using that corn more efficiently than ever before. The CO2, which is escapes, it's not a and the CO2 contributor, they're almost net zero in, in ethanol production because that CO2 then is gathered up by the corn again and comes back to the plant. It's a cycle of CO2 sequestered by the corn when in, in photosynthesis, comes to the ethanol plant, it's released into the air again, and we take out of it the starch and the protein. And now the CO2 has value to be converted into a green fuel uh, called methanol. And what's, that's not supposedly going to happen because of what the globalists have set up here and spent years doing. Now we are the target of this in a big way, not just in Iowa, in the whole Corn Belt. And that's reflective of really the entire nation has lit up and, and mobilized towards this CO2 sequestration, which um, it is, it's a, it's a, in the end, it's all sunk capital. It's all taxpayers' money. There's no marketable commodity that they propose. It's just simply a way to fleece the taxpayers. It would crush our economy and, in the end, destroy the United States as a sovereign nation. And it has to eventually hand it over to the globalists. And make people hungry, leave people hungry, leave people in the world hungry. Uh, you know, and in the interest of full disclosure, I grew up in southern Illinois. And in uh, we had a, uh, like an acre and a half yard. Uh, my folks had a big garden. And back behind our property line was... Huge cornfield, as far as you could see, mm-hmm. corn right out mm-hmm. the back side of my, you know. You're so I, I grew up place right now, Sandy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, farmland, the country, you know, uh, it, not not backward farming even then was very sophisticated. And, and from your description just now, I think people people's eyes are crossing because they don't understand farming is not like it used to be. I mean, we had farming, you know, in my family way way back. Farmers, my folks were great at. They they had a huge you know great big garden, uh, and they were they were raised farming so they understand farming but it's nothing like what we have now it's gotten very sophisticated, and it is then now under attack and I would it be safe to say I seem to think, a congressman that the globalists actually said something in recent years maybe you can't think of this either but I decided to put you on the spot. That they actually didn't mind. I think it was Bill Gates, something about the depopulation. That they were very like open about how they want to reduce. They want people to die because there's too many people on the planet. 
Well, that is Bill Gates, and I can't give you the exact quote, but there's others also at, at the World Economic Forum that concur with that. Uh, that number, 500 million, uh, I can't nail that to an exact individual with confidence, but it's, I, would, I would first look to Klaus Schwab and then to Bill Gates um, on that population number. That is chilling. And also, um, it was Klaus Schwab, the, the CEO and founder of the World Economic Forum, uh, that, that said, um, I believe it's 2035, you will own nothing and you will be happy. Um, you will rent everything and we're going to manage you. Um, this is this is a great big reach. And the, the audacity of a mortal human being, an atheistic mortal human being, a group of them deciding that they can create a utopia for them and we can be the vassals that serve their utopia. I want to also make something clear that you have made clear. You've written an article called The Anatomy of a Boondoggle. Uh, it's a, is it PJ Media that published this? Yes, it is. It, well, it's published at um, uh, townhall.com and also Gateway, Gateway Pundit. Okay, and Gateway, Gateway Pundit. Pundit mm-hmm, and they published my spreadsheet in Gateway Pundit where um, I, I looked at these numbers that were proposed by these pipeline companies. First of all, um, the, the backdrop of this really is this, that uh, Larry Fink is the CEO of BlackRock, the largest investment firm in the world, controlling over $10 trillion. That's greater than the total GDP of all but two countries in the world, U.S. and China. And uh, he is entrenched in the United Nations, in the, in the World Health Organization, in the World Economic Forum, where he's on the board with Klaus Schwab, rubs elbows with George Soros. He's been a Democrat all of his life. He's influenced deeply in China, invested deeply in China. He's taking our investment funds for retirement, rolling them in, investing them into China, investing into military operations and development of, of our technologies that are being stolen off over into China. I can't tell you how bad this guy is, uh, but he's one part of this um, these pipeline piece where they want to secure, I'll call it not a monopoly, but a duopoly in control of all the CO2 that's emitted from the ethanol plants in the upper Midwest, in the Corn Belt. Okay, the let's let, let's okay. St- let's let's hold off that just for a second before we get into that, because the the thing, the point I would really like to make before we start going into specifically what's happening in Iowa and the surrounding states, because it's horrible, and we're going to get there, is that this is a, as you said, this is a money making boondoggle. It's not because. Uh, these globalists have such, you know, high-minded principles that they actually think they're going to save the planet and stop global warming and, you know, life is going to be so much better. No, their purpose here is to enrich themselves. And I'll read a quote that you used in your article, Larry Fink, CEO of BlackRock. I believe the decarbonizing of the global economy is going to create the greatest investment opportunity of our lifetime. Uh, you know, we saw that back, uh, uh, Steve, with Al Gore. Uh, remember when he used to push? He was the big, you know, pusher of this whole notion of uh, climate, global warming, they called it at the time. And we've then found out that he had all these investments in these green companies. He was making money hand over fist. It is about making money, isn't it? Well, it, it surely is. And the making the money it, 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 the, the money, usually, I'll say this, if you're going to work in a free enterprise economy, you have to produce a good or a service that has marketable, marketable value, either or here or at home or both, here at home or both. 
And they have, they don't have a good or a service that has a marketable value, but they've created this industry through government, through regulations, through public relations, the network of the sovereign nation states that they've sold this to. And Al Gore has become worth hundreds of millions of dollars now. Um, and Larry Fink has seen this thing. He's pushed it for roughly 20 years. Um, and they sold it to the European Union. And the European Union now says, and by 2035, you're not going to port your ships here unless you burn green fuel and meet our carbon index standards. That comes out of the World Economic Forum driven by BlackRock and other CEOs that are on the, on the board. This is a, this is a huge um, economic effort. Just it sucks the lifeblood out of we the people, the middle class. And if you watch our middle class disappearing and the lower class increasing and the elitists getting richer, these are the kind of formulas that do that, Sandy. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, and in a dangerous way. It's a transfer of wealth. You know, I, I'm sorry, I can't help but think about the similarities, even though the technology was not there, about Mao and the revolution in China starving the people, you know, targeting their food first uh, and letting millions die. Just no concept, no compassion it's a whole other way of thinking that really, I think, comes from the pit of hell. I want to say also, Larry Fink, uh, just to make this personal for people, these are our inv- this is our money. These are our fi- uh, 401ks. These are, it's the military money. It's uh, government pensions. It's all of that, isn't it, that's in, the, in BlackRock's uh, coffers? Well, it is that. And uh, and they'll go in and they'll buy up an influential share of corporation after corporation, and uh, and and they insist that the corporations comply with their standards for ESG, environmental, social, and governance, and uh, and then the other uh, I'll say woke uh, requirements that they're imposing on businesses. And uh, by the way, Exxon defied that and said we're going to go on our own. We're not going to comply with Larry Fink, BlackRock, and the World Economic Forum's rules on what corporations have to do to be woke. And it didn't take very long, and and Larry Fink's investment in Exxon was enough to put two of their people on the board at Exxon, and the Chinese petroleum company, Communist Party-controlled Chinese, ended up with a whole bunch of oil fields that Exxon would have otherwise had in their possession. I guess they learned their lesson, be woke. This is go-deep and pervasive. Yeah, it is. It's, it's beyond an ind- any individual's capability, I think, at least the knowledge base that I can access, to see the whole picture with clarity. Mm-hmm. I can draw the diagram and I can draw the bigger framework of it, but to get down into the details, so much has been moving. It, it wouldn't all fit into one book, I, I don't think, in any way, Sandy. Okay, let's now, uh, now, this is a situation we're going to talk about. We started out with a clip, kind of, kind of explained it. But it's happening in Iowa now will affect, I think, something like five or nine states in the central part of the United States, a crime country mm-hmm. like like Iowa and North Dakota and Illinois. And I'm not sure where the other states are. But um, what is it? What is it? You, you guys, you talked about how ethanol has you know come out of the fact that you had abundance of corn in Iowa. It's created fuel for cars and other things. Uh, but now what's the next I'm going to call it a scheme, a disgusting scheme. What's the next scheme that they're now really getting close to uh, accomplishing in Iowa? Well, yes, and as the geography is North and South Dakota, Nebraska, mostly Southwest Minnesota, Iowa, and Illinois. And and the scheme is this: that well, when they when Biden signed the Inflation Reduction Act in August of last year, uh, that had in it huge increases in the carbon credits. They're taking. Uh, two sets of carbon credits, and 45Q, 45Z, 
Um, one is for the ethanol plants, supposedly, and one of them is for the people who would sequester the CO2. Uh, but that got pushed in there. That's the brainchild of Larry Fink and others out of in BlackRock and, and World Economic Forum. When that happened, we had two major entities that had already laid the groundwork to launch their efforts to connect all of the ethanol plants in the Corn Belt in the upper Midwest um, with pipelines to collect the CO2 that comes off of there, that one-third of each bushel of corn by weight. That CO2 is the largest volume, purest form of CO2 known anywhere in the world. And so they don't have to process it and purify it or suck it out of the air. It comes out of a pipe, and they want to put it in a pipe, compress it to liquid to a high, high pressure, and send it. That one uh, summit wants to send it up to North Dakota and pump it into the ground by the oil fields. And Navigator, Larry Fink, wants to take – he wants to start in South Dakota, build his network of pipelines down through – Southwest Minnesota, South Dakota, um, South Dakota, Nebraska, Iowa, into Illinois, into the oil fields in southern Illinois, and pump it into the ground there. Summits go from southeast Iowa all the way up to North Dakota, and they want to pump it into the ground there. These two people would create a duopoly of control of the CO2, the purest form in the world, and if they can get the pipeline set up, they then control access to that CO2, whether they get paid to pump it into the ground or whether... Uh, what we would do with it instead is we would convert it into methanol and then be able to sell that into the open market and give it a valuable commodity. They say they're not going to do that. They're going to cash in on the on the credits, and those credits are simply 100% sunk money. Um, it's like digging a hole and burying it, and we, the people, pay for it as taxpayers. And we borrowed the money from the Chinese and the Saudis and the United Arab Emirates and we'll pay them interest in principal on that, our grandchildren will. They are also investors in this project up front. Um, and so Larry Fink controls, under BlackRock, 84% of the assets of Navigator, which is the one pipeline company that runs that runs from the northwest to the southeast. And uh, Bruce Rastetter controls a lot of the rest of that that runs from southeast Iowa up to North Dakota. They run in opposite directions to each other. They run parallel, and they cross each other three times. And it makes no sense except it's a boondoggle designed to suck the money out of us. And, it, and really, in the end, enslave us to the ideology of climate change and, and the idea that we could fix this. I'll just take one pause here and tell you something else that's just stunning, Sandy. And that I pulled all these numbers together, and I spent two and a half weeks just blocked into my office because nobody was writing about this. And um, then I built a spreadsheet to bring all the papers on my desk together. And after that, I looked at it a while and I thought, what is this plan? They want to get to carbon neutral by 2050. What's it cost us for a year of carbon neutral? I took these unit price numbers, which are the cheapest that we have, and I multiplied it times the 40 billion metric tons of CO2 they say is man-made emitted in the atmosphere that has to be eliminated in order to get to carbon neutral. The number I came up with, the annual cost is so stunning, but I'll say it out loud over 19 quadrillion dollars a year under today's economic numbers to get to carbon neutral and what is that number to put it into context so we can kind of understand if you divide the global gdp into 19 quadrillion you come out with almost exactly 200 times the global domestic product to get to carbon neutral it is far out of reach that it's just it's insane to believe we could ever get there Yet we're marching down that path, and it's an idiocy of this society. And historians, if we survive, will write out how stupid it was for this generation.
you know, I'm wondering if uh, people that listen to me know, uh, listen to, to my morning show, certainly knew that I thought COVID, COVID, the vaccinations and the whole storyline was a fraud. And now we know it was a fraud. It did damage. But I think we would remember how duped we were. The science says uh, wear masks. The science says don't wear masks. The science says, uh, uh, go out, you know, stand six feet apart and you're safer. The science says, I mean, even the non-science, you can, uh, you have to social distance when you uh, board a plane, but once you sit down, you're fine, though you're shoulder to shoulder. The nonsense continues. And I, I mention all of this to just say that all of this business about a carbon footprint, about um, uh, what, what credits, uh, carbon credits, this is nonsense. It means nothing. Uh, the only science you can find to back this is fake science. Did anybody know there was that there's fake science? This is not true. It is a fiction. It's enriching people and killing others, depending on who has the power. I'm sorry, maybe overstating it, but I'm... I'm disgusted by this. Now, um, with is there any, first of all, study to show what happens if you put that much CO2 under the ground in these states where they want to do that? Uh, is there any study to show if that's safe or not? Well, they say that they have, um, they have studies that say so. I haven't seen the studies, and they haven't particularly been advertising them. And I don't know whether they've been forthcoming or not. And they also say that there's some short little miniature operations going on, but there is nothing like this in scale. Uh, this is way beyond anything that's ever been tried before. 3,600 miles of pipeline altogether at 2,200 or more pounds per square inch. That's the pressure of a hydraulic hose in an excavator, for example. And I know what happens when one of those hoses blow. This will be up to 24 inches in diameter, some maybe 30 inches in diameter. We now have a map of, I'm not sure who put it together, I just saw it yesterday, um, of the kill zone. I mean, CO2, we use CO2 to euthanize hogs in our packing plants. It's wow. necessary for, it, it, it's a killing agent, um, necessary for plant growth, however, uh, and then lower quantities that are there. But in concentration, it takes all the oxygen out. It's heavier than air. If there's a CO2 rupture on a still morning, like um, it's a still morning here in Iowa right now, especially when, when the, after, after rain when the air is kind of heavy, that CO2 will just spread out across the ground and stay in the low ground, and it will concentrate in the low ground. If that ruptures at that pressure, the first rupture, I've seen a video of one that was uh, released for, uh, I guess, experimental purposes. It's almost like a, almost like a nuclear blast. It just blows this cloud up into the air, and the pressure shoots it up. And shortly, it rolls down onto the ground and covers the ground and reaches out. It reminds me of the the fog that was moving through the uh, uh, through the moving through the Hebrews um, back when mm -hmm. the curse was put on during Pharaoh's time and Moses. If you've yeah. seen the video of of, of uh, three the Ten Commandments, uh, <laughs> that video reminds me of what CO two does. But yeah. it kills everything. It'll kill it every animal. It'll kill every bug, every human being. And if you get in your car to escape, your car won't run because you won't have oxygen. Um, and that kill zone is now being mapped a little bit here. We need to mm. see a lot more of that kill zone. And, no. um, and for me, in the end, the property rights, the trampling on our Fifth Amendment is, is awful. And we're going to litigate that all the way to the end, Sandy. We haven't, we haven't talked about that part of it. Because these three separate companies vying for this bill, uh, pipeline and trying to get Iowa to say yes to it, and we're going to get to the politics and also to how the people feel about it. Um, 
they are also, two of them, are asking for eminent domain to be employed. If the people won't, because what they want to do is take farmers' land and force them to allow these pipelines to be placed on their property to remove the carbon dioxide. And how's that going down with the people of Iowa? Boy, it's, it's going down pretty hard with the people of Iowa. And you, you, uh, you grew up in a family that knew what land was worth. And um, this, these farms here in Iowa, some of them are five, seven generation family farms. And when, when you're part of that, the, the, the land is your identity, is your history. Your roots go down, they go out. You're anchored to that land. And the, and the property rights have been, for the beginning of this country, sacrosanct. It goes back to 1689, John Locke, uh, Life, Liberty, and Property. And so when they come in and decide they're going to condemn property for a private company defending or a private a private company condemn private property for private gain, that is abhorrent to our constitution, to our set of values, and the Fifth Amendment is guaranteed. Nor shall private property be taken for public use without just compensation. Well, this isn't public use, and many say it's not just compensation. But the, the laws that have been set up in these states strategically over time, in most states, handed this condemnation, this eminent domain authority to utilities board who rule on pipeline construction. And most of those boards are a three-member board appointed by the governor, often confirmed by the state senate, which happened here in Iowa. And two of those three members of the board can to Larry Fink, Bruce Rastetter, Navigator or Summit. Um, you now have condemnation authority to take this land and build your pipeline through there and bulldoze through the best farmland in the world um, and against the, every protest that can be made. And furthermore, some of this structure is set up that if you want to appeal that into, into court, into, into, there's, a, there's a bond requirement, and it has a cap that just makes you swallow pretty hard. A $100 million bond is the top cap that can be required if you want to sue to protect your property rights. The only people that have that kind of money are Larry Fink and Bruce Rastetter and their investors. Uh, We're working to find a way around that. There are are alternatives. I don't want to say what they are on the radio, but this is a great big barrier. We're going against the most powerful entity ever put together, economically at least, in the world. It is multinational. It's China. It's it's Europe. It's the World Economic Forum, the whole network. Uh, and the trillions of dollars they have hanging over us here, and the and the thousands of lawyers, armies of lawyers, and it's it's kind of like I think I might have written this, but it, it's beyond it's beyond David and Goliath. Um, this is more like um, you know the mouse going up against a whole herd of cats. Yeah. And uh, I still I believe we can win, Sandy. I still believe we can win. Well, I believe that's. I believe with God, all things are possible. Uh, I'm and I'm in the poll the, done by the Des Moines Register really supports what you just said. Because it shows, and Des Moines Register is not a conservative paper, is it? No, they haven't okay. been my friend. Yeah. Okay, so their poll shows that 78% of Iowans oppose companies using the state-granted power to build carbon capture pipelines across the state. 15% are in favor and 7% are unsure. That's huge, and that goes across party lines. It's Republicans, Democrats, Independents. People don't want this. But now here's the thing. Uh, the question is, of course, Congressman, is what's happening in the legislature. And according to what I read that you wrote, it, it's not things are not going very well in the legislature. They're not stepping up to defend the people. Is that true? That's that's absolutely true. Um, 
there have been two legislative sessions that have proven this, at least in Iowa, but I know it's also true in the Dakotas, because um, we're, we're, we've built an organization now that networks us all. Um, but uh, in Iowa, uh, the, the year before last, so let's see, it'd be the 2022 session, they slow walked everything that was protected property rights and protected this authority of the Utilities Board uh, to confer a right to eminent domain to a private sector companies um, for private gain. And as that slow walk came, I saw it was happening. I spoke out about it. And it really, that's what got me interested because it didn't fit the people I know that were making those decisions. Then in this session here in 2023, which adjourned in early May, um, the same pattern came through. And then I wrote about that and I predicted what they would do. Here's the kind of bills that will come down. Maybe they'll let something out of the House that's going to give people cover to vote for it. When it gets to the Senate, it will be killed. And they killed it so blatantly. Uh, the person that killed it was a former employee of Bruce Rastetter and Summit, the pipeline company. Um, and onto the board they, in, in April, uh, the governor appointed two people. Amazingly, there were two vacancies on the utilities board in April. If the governor makes those appointments within 30 days of the end of the session and they're not confirmed, they are seated as interim appointments as if they had been confirmed until the legislature acts on them the following session. And so she made two appointments that could have been interim. The state Senate confirmed them without hardly any debate, as it turned out. That tells you what was going on there. And so the utilities board um, sits there with, oh, the, the chief of staff, excuse me, the, the chairman of the board, the newly appointed chairman of the board is the founder and former CEO of, of, a, of a company in Alaska. He went to Alaska for six years from the Iowa legislature to Alaska, now back to Iowa, formed a company up there called 49th State Summit Solutions as CEO, and he came back and was appointed to the board, the utilities board by the governor, who has, and none of these governors have, uh, I'll say, North South Dakota, Nebraska, Iowa, Minnesota, or Illinois that I know of, have uttered one, taken one solid position in defense of the property rights of their constituents. They're either mom or like Doug Burgum, current governor of North Dakota, and also candidate for president. He announced June 7th of this year he'd run for president. First stop was Ames, Iowa, to meet with Summit. He's aggressively in favor of this, and he is funded by Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates. Wow. It just goes on and on. Well, all right, so let's come back to Kim Reynolds for a second, because Kim uh, has, you get the impression that Kim is very conservative. She's kind of a sweetheart for some conservatives. Do you have a reason to believe that these two people she uh, appointed are in favor of this carbon, uh, what do they call it, carbon carbon capture pipeline? Uh, yeah, car- CCNS, they say, carbon capture and sequestration. Um, I have reason to believe that, and uh, it's. but part of it is because I've seen the pattern of politics in this state and across the country. And so the hard evidence that's there, um, yes, I'll give you some. Um, the, the, the Kilo decision, which I won't go far into that, but that was a property rights decision 2005. The Supreme Court erroneously added words to our Fifth Amendment nor shall private property be taken for public use. And they added the words, or public purpose, without just compensation. It was a wrong decision. But now we have Governor Reynolds saying on the radio, well, these pipelines are for the public good. She's going one further step. Uh, public use, the public purpose, now for public good. You can define anything as public good. And she's trying to speak those words into law. And I know that her husband has aggressively defended these pipelines in Republican meetings when there was debate. Um, and, and so that I see. Plus, 
Uh, you'll notice in my book, after the 2018 election, she stood before a press conference and pictures in my book that shows her note card. And she said to Iowa and the world, Steve King, Representative King, needs to decide what he wants to do, whether it's to represent the people and values of Western Iowa or, pause, do something else. That was the, I knew in the instant that came out, that was giving license for all Republicans to turn on me. The leadership did. Nobody else did. Many of them turned mute, but now they're my friends. Now they see this. Um, so, Sandy, I'll say this for the first time on, on public radio, and, I, and I, I have come to this conclusion that the motivation for what they did to me, what Radio Iowa says funded the takedown of Congressman Steve King by, Bruce Rastetter is the name that they use in Radio Iowa. I didn't ask for that. They introduced me that way. Um, but, but, the, but the motivation for this was actually at the, at the international level. I've got evidence that I could paint. Some of it's in my book, not all of it. Um, and evidence that I can show for that. They needed to move this whole thing through. They knew that the most profitable part of this CO2 sequestration was right here in the Corn Belt. And they knew that if I'm a seated member of Congress, there's no way I'm going to do anything but fight them to the death to defend the property rights of people in this state and the other states in the nation. So that's why I think they got that driven out of the international level. That's why it came down into the Republican hierarchy at the complex of the unit party at the national level and Kevin McCarthy and others. And that's why I think Governor Reynolds turned, turned, the, uh, uh, turned the Republican Party at the hierarchy against me at the state level. All of that happened simultaneously, and I've not been able to understand what would motivate and coordinate that if you just took issues like border security, pro-life, balanced budget, and those kind of things that I've long stood for. No, this was to get this scheme through because yeah. it is hundreds of billions of dollars, and it's you know, a transfer. No, I was just going to say, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I, what this reminds me of is when, um, this is a couple of decades ago, I covered uh, the gambling industry, and now it was taking over legislatures and states. Uh, you may, I'm sure you'll remember that. I mean, they they had so much money that they mm-hmm. corrupted. They corrupted. I mean, the Louisiana comes to mind, and there were other states too. It was like a wave of money uh, that could, it came into these states and controlled them, and caused more and more massive amounts of gambling. And uh, only some bra- uh, brave uh, congressmen were able to reverse that. Uh, but but that's what this reminds me of. I also want to mention. Oh, by the way, I want to say that uh, Congressman King's book is "Walking Through the Fire." Walking through the fire. I so recommend that to you. And also his uh, latest article. And we'll, I think we're going to put the um, yeah uh, the Gateway Pundit version of it, the Anatomy of a Boondoggle, the Green New mm-hmm. Deal versus Family Farms. We'll put that on our Facebook page so people can find that. Now I want to make another point before we have to say goodbye here because. It's not just Kim Reynolds, she's the current governor, but you also report uh, that, hang on one second, Tom Vilsack is a former Iowa governor and the current USDA secretary, and his son, Jess, who's an attorney, is the general counsel for one of these companies, one of these three companies, and former Governor Terry Branstad, who was a sweetheart of conservatives, is the senior policy advisor for Rastetler, which is the one you mentioned that was uh, in your introduction. Someone said he was behind getting rid of you. I, this is not about you alone. You know that. You're trying to do, I want to make that clear to people. You recognize how big this is. You were just the, an obstacle that they had to remove. But to, it's very disappointing to people. Okay, so we've got 
these politicians, we've got the, the members uh, of your, your legislature not doing anything. The people, according to the polls, tremendously opposed to this. What's the next step? Well, we, we formed an organization, and we held meetings in, um, in Fort Dodge in July and, and uh, the 8th, and then the 31st, a meeting in Charles City. We had hundreds of people attend. We had keynote speaker, well, speakers uh, uh, across the spectrum of the subject matter. Uh, we went from 10 in the morning till 3 in the afternoon on one of those meetings, and nobody left. Well, no, almost nobody left, I guess, to be fair about that. We formed the organization. It's a multi-state organization called Free Soil Coalition. The website is freesoilcoalition.com. It's just set up now. We have an executive director. It's Trent Luce of Luce Tales. He's syndicated across the country and knows this upper Midwest, I think, as well as anybody. And, uh, and then, of course, I'm the person that the New York Times declared to be the leader of this. Um, so now that we've coordinated this, we're pulling in landowners, county supervisors, state legislators into this whole network. And we're taking and accepting applications from other organizations that care about property rights. And the full spectrum of this from the John Birch Society, the Sierra Club, and perhaps the Winnebago Indian Tribe, which I'm dealing with now, bringing them all together here because we want to protect our rights. And it's a bipartisan effort across the board. Uh, and, and then um, I have hired an attorney. This is Steve King doesn't have a lot of money. I'm published as the poorest member in Congress, but I hired an attorney to represent me because nobody was jumping in. And I became an intervener and filed as an intervener with the Iowa Utilities Board. They denied me making up rules and regulations and said I could defend the Constitution elsewhere. Um, they didn't tell me where. Um, so then we formed a group called the King Interveners, and we filed again. And uh, we're working a number of different angles, and we'll be initiating litigation. I've had it with this play in defense. We're going to play offense also. If we have to defend, we're going to fight back. In the end, it'll be, I think, litigation through state court to the Supreme Court, appeals that go into the federal district court, the circuit court, and hopefully the United States Supreme Court. These people are so powerful. They would, they, by their numbers, they're not telling us the number, by my calculations of their numbers, they would be drawing down over $17 billion a year off of this boondoggle fiasco, all from us, all sunk money, all tax money, most of it borrowed money. And that, that means that there's nothing will stop them short of where, who has more power than they. I'm not sure. But the Supreme Court is the place where we have the best chance to actually succeed and win and shut this down on a property rights issue. But in the end, I think even if we beat them there, they will go to Congress and try to find a way around a Supreme Court decision and force this because this is their this is a big part of their global strategy. And this is the holy grail for them, the most valuable CO2 that they can turn into the most cash at our expense. All right. Well, Congressman. <laughs> there, God never wastes trouble. So he, you ended up not <laughs> being able to stay in Congress, and now he, he has you back home, uh, really fighting this fight close up and personal. So they may regret the day that they, they took you out of Congress. But um, I want to tell people that you can will this uh, the anatomy of a boondoggle, uh, the Green New Deal versus Family Farms is a great read. It will help give you something to share. Uh, the other thing is, uh, is if you were to tell them to do one thing besides read that article, what would it be? People for people from Iowa, people from Illinois, North Dakota, South Dakota, all those states. What can they do? Well, um, you know, it, it sounds a little self-interest, but I would say this is that we are so short of cash, and we're you know we're, most all of us were volunteers, and we don't really have a we don't have we haven't found that sugar daddy. 
that can fund this thing. So we're more or less uh, anteing up whenever we need to do a little something. But if they would go to freesoil.com and, and donate to freesoil.com, sign up as a membership of our organization, there we can turn those resources into uh, and into works and into results. And uh, that's that's the biggest thing they could do. I'd also say to them to read my book, they could go to steveking.com. If you buy from there, I've got an inventory right here in my little warehouse, and I would autograph every book that's ordered through steveking.com. So that's a couple of things. And then say your prayers. We, are not, we have a nation to save. We have a civilization to save. Amen and amen. So, Congressman, it's always a pleasure. Uh, and we will do these things, and we'll uh, make this stuff available to our listeners. And uh, we wish you Godspeed. I thought you were going to slow down a little bit, but I don't think you are. And I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad. So, so <laughs> well, go if, forth. If I could say one more, one more thing, I'm sorry, but um, I want people to know that I didn't, I didn't come into this operation here thinking that somehow the people on the other side that would be the biggest opposition to me would be the people that engineered a takedown of Steve King back in 2019 and 20. I discovered that afterwards as I got into this. I was appalled at the property rights grab, and then I started into it. It's something that had haunted me was um, in a conversation with Diamond and Silk, God bless Diamond and, and, uh, and her memory, um, but it was Silk that asked the question in my office one day, who called the hit? Who called the hit on Steve King? And that question's haunted me because I couldn't give a definitive answer. I can't put a name on it now, but I sure think I have the motivation. And that emerged from my commitment to property rights, not the other way around. This isn't vindictive. It isn't motivated by that. It's about motivated by the Constitution and the rule of law. And just a great gratitude to we the people. And I've learned to love people, and now I get to deal with them on a good cause. So thanks, Andy. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, Congressman, we'll say goodbye to you for today, but uh, you've got to follow up with us, okay? Mm-hmm. Congressman sure Steve do. King, again, the author of his book, which we highly recommend, which is Walking Through the Fire. You can find that at steveking.com, steveking.com. You can go to freesoil.com and sign up and donate if you have some uh, ability to help uh, financially to get this project off the ground Uh, That's the way to do it. All right. Sandy Rios on Sandy Rios 24-7. This is Sandy Rios 24-7 on American Family Radio. We are absolutely delighted to have a new sponsor, and that's Christian Health Ministries. It's the oldest uh, Christian health savings company uh, in the country. So there are lots of others. You know them by different names, but this is the oldest. And the cool thing about this, Christian Health Ministries doesn't have a network. So you can stay with your doctor. You can choose your doctor. You don't have to follow the, the roadmap of, that other companies do by requiring you to go to their doctors. I think, that's, uh, I think that's amazing. Christian Health Ministries is a community of believers who share one another's health care costs. Uh, they do that by they pay a, a premium that they can afford uh, and, uh, you know, a lot of times the insurance companies manage their profits by the fact that most people don't ever have to, you know, people don't have a lot of crisis in health. Some people do, and it's extraordinary, but you bear one another's burdens financially. Open enrollment is coming up, and there's never been a better time to make a switch to Christian Health Ministries. If you want to check them out and you want to find out, you know, what your cost would be and what the plans are, go to ch ministries.org. That's chministries.org. And tell them that Sandy sent you. 
Well, two different carbon dioxide pipelines are planned to run through dozens of Iowa's counties. Today, the Iowa Utilities Board and Navigator CO2 Ventures held an informational meeting on DMAX campus for one of those projects. Local 5's Dave Downey was there and has the story. Landowners and company officials staking their pipeline sides for land like you see behind me in Ankeny today. The Navigator CO2 pipeline aims to take carbon dioxide emissions from 21 ethanol and fertilizer processors across five states and permanently store 15 million metric tons of CO2 every year, more than a mile underground in central Illinois. That's the same amount of CO2 as taking 3 million cars off the road for a year and putting those emissions underground. But to accomplish that, it will take over 800 miles of pipeline throughout Iowa. All right, so that's a report from Iowa Local 5, they call it. Uh, that whole conversation with Congressman King was very disturbing to me, and uh, not the least of which is because I am from southern Illinois farm country, but um, it's, all, it's just all of it. I've asked Bruce to join me, as always, my sweetheart former FBI agent uh, uh, husband. Uh, Bruce, that's so complicated. It's not your field, it's not my field, but I really want to know what you think about that. It amazes me that we're talking about building these hundreds of miles, maybe thousand miles of pipeline when the very first thing that Joe Biden did on his first day in office was kill the Keystone XL pipeline. That's true. And the reason given was that it was so dangerous and that we couldn't afford the potential impact on the environment if there was a problem with that pipeline. And now, all of a sudden, when it works in people that support Joe Biden and when it works in their favor economically, everything is okay. And it's okay to take away farmland. And it's okay to bulldoze through our beautiful cornfields in the Midwest because, hey, we, we have to get rid of the CO2 because it's killing us. Well, so think about that. And Congressman said that that CO2 is so dangerous. And I'm guessing they haven't released studies because they have no studies. Where in the world would this ever have been done uh, to the extent that they could have studies on how dangerous it is for dangerous it is for people? And the other pipeline that uh, Joe Biden nixed was something that would provide Americans with natural gas and the ability to run their cars. It was a cost-effective situation that was environmentally safe, unlike this one. It was something to help Americans. This is not to help Americans. This is just to make people, other people rich and to potentially do great harm. Sandy, think about that term, CO2 sequestration. What is, <laughs> I mean, what is that based on? There's no science. I've looked. There is no science that proves that CO2 is the cause of the greenhouse effect that is affecting the environment. First off, we don't even know that there's been an, an environmental effect. The environment has changed throughout the history of the earth. And this is, this is a theory, and I think the basis behind the theory is not science, but money. Yeah, greed. You know, those, remember those carbon credits when they started introducing them? Uh, Al Gore would claim because he was flying these big jets, and John Kerry too. They'd take these huge gas guzzling jets around the globe, but they were in a. They, it was different for them, and also Al Gore had like a what two thousand? Well, I can't remember a huge home in Tennessee. 
And they talked about the price of heating and cooling that home. And he had, so he, I think I remember him claiming he had uh, paid carbon credits. He had, you know, he had a lot of carbon credits stored up. I forgot how you made those credits, but. Yeah, it, it, it's it's about like what caused the Reformation. I mean, it makes about paying for alms. It, it makes about as much sense. Yeah. Um, you look at the lineup of people who are going to benefit if this goes through. Uh, the World Health Organization, Klaus Schwab with the World Economic Forum, Bill Gates, George Soros, Larry Fink, Al Gore. You mentioned John Kerry. Do you really think that these people? give one rip about the people of Iowa Mm-mm. or the people of this country, Mm-mm. this is nothing as, it, it's a great word that uh, Congressman King used, it's a boondoggle. Yes, and I want to say this: the states specifically uh, that are involved in this, and of course, you can't think of it that it's only those states. It's your food supply. It's your food supply. It's mine and yours and uh, our children's and our future. Uh, and the states that are affected, though, with these pipelines and with that CO2 being pumped underneath the ground where they live are Iowa, North Dakota, South Dakota, Nebraska, Minnesota, and Illinois. And one more thing, let me remind you that uh, Congressman King's article, uh, The Anatomy of a Boondoggle, The Green New Deal versus Family Farms, uh, is on Gateway Pundit. We'll post that on our Facebook page. And also, Go to freesoil.com if you can help them, if you want to sign up to help them fight this and, and donate if you can, but that's not the only reason. You can sign up if you can't donate. And go to steveking.com so that you can get a copy of Congressman King's book. I think that's everything. I want to, honey, thank you. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad to talk about this because it's near and dear to us, obviously, being both of us being born in southern Illinois, the heart of corn country, but it's really important for all of us. Yes. Have to stop it. Oh, well, before we say goodbye, I want to thank both of my sponsors. Preborn Network Clinics have rescued over 200,000 babies from abortion, and every day they save 200 babies' lives. But they can't do it without our help. If you would like to help, go to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy. And I want to thank Christian Healthcare Ministries. So happy to have them as a sponsor. I can't wait to hear your response once you sign up and you can give us some feedback about um, you know, how you feel about it. I've heard just great things about it and we chose it because it, we thought it would be very helpful to you. A CHM is the longest serving health cost sharing ministry. It's been around for 40 years, helping Christians pay and pray for one another's medical bills. Make the switch today and start saving. Go to chministries.org. That's chministries.org. And tell them that Sandy sent you. All right, thanks for listening to this day's version of Sandy Rios 24-7.